Welcome to The Answer Key, learning and leadership in the K-12 world. How do women find opportunities in the technology field? We'll talk to two leaders from Fairfax County Public Schools Information Technology Department to find out. Stay tuned. This is The Answer Key, learning and leadership in the K-12 world. I'm your host, Tracy Jewell. Today we're talking about STEM, or science, technology, engineering, and math. Is there a connection between having a strong background in STEM and a career in technology? And how can that connection be fostered? Joining me today is Mary Beth Luffglass, the Assistant Superintendent of Information Technology with Fairfax County Public Schools. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. And we're also happy to welcome Andy Powell, Director of IT Support Services for FCPS. Glad to be here. Thank you both for being with us today. All right, so I want to start, we're going to talk a little bit about the evolution of women in STEM. And we called it that because we often talk about girls in STEM in Fairfax County Public Schools. And you all are women who have stuck with that field (laughs) and advanced a lot um, in your careers. And so we want to start with just going way back and talking about how did you get interested in that career? You've both been working uh, for FCPS for about 20 years now in information technology. And so we know it didn't start there, right? And so let's go back and talk about when your interest first began to happen, um, when you're thinking about technology and, and that type of thing. So Andy, let's start with you. When you were in high school, elementary school, when did you first start thinking about technology? So for me, my journey really started when I got to college. I really hadn't thought about technology at all in high school. Um, I really didn't have any counselors or others who were kind of steering me in that direction whatsoever. Um, I chose the college I went to um, based on, well, location for for starters. And uh, when I got there, I decided I was going to study accounting. And so I spent my first year studying accounting. And when I was doing that, I... um, took a couple of elective classes that were um, in information technology. Did a pro- programming class as an elective, which I really liked. I liked sort of the whole logic behind it. I took a statistics class, which I hadn't done before, and I really enjoyed that. And I thought, hmm, this is kind of interesting to me. And so at the end of my first year, I said, I'm going to look into getting into technology. And so I went and I think I talked to an advisor at the time and said, you know, what kind of programs do you have? And they started a new program probably that year, maybe the year before I got there, that was Management Information Systems. It was fairly new. You know, they had programming courses or programming uh, degrees, but this was kind of a new degree, and it sounded really interesting. And so I said, hey, I'm going to give it a shot. So that really was when I first got interested in technology. And so um, in, in your high school experience, you said there weren't, you didn't get a whole lot of counseling. So it's not like somebody sat you down and said, Andy, let's talk about what you're interested in, and let's talk about how you can pursue that. It didn't happen that way. It really didn't. Uh, yeah. No, not at all. And there really weren't a lot of options, even electives or any kinds of um, courses that were available that I was aware of or that I was driven to that mm-hmm. you know, spoke to me in terms of technology or STEM. All right. And so, Mary Beth, when, we, when you think back about your um, time in high school and elementary school, when did your interest begin to emerge? So my interest in technology actually started with my mother. So she was an English teacher in Fairfax County Public Schools and a guidance counselor, but she loved gadgets and she loved technology. So she always wanted to have the first computer on the block. She always wanted to have the first gadget. And so that's really where we got started, even with the Ataris way back when. And so she had a lot of fun. And so we always like to have things and we try out new things and try out new programming and 
those kind of things at home. Mm-hmm. At school, I was I was like a math nerd. I loved math. So it was really more in terms of my friends in terms of taking on the advanced math classes. But then I went to Woodson High School here in Fairfax County, and we actually started a computer science class. And so I was actually able to take computer science for the first time at, in high school. And, of course, they were all mostly boys at that time that were taking taking computer science class. But I thought, this is fun for me. It's, it's sort of like the next step from math for me, and I enjoyed science and math. But computer programming, it was really fun. So it was back in the day where it was actually punch cards. So we, uh, <laughs> I'm dating myself, of course, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. And so I loved that class. And so then when I went to college, I really ended up continuing with the math, but I added a lot of computer classes and information systems classes once I got to college. But it really wasn't something the same, similar with Andy. It wasn't really based on my counseling and whatnot. That was more you're going to college, but in, in potentially going into math as opposed to really moving into the computer science information systems. So it was really very similar, but it was I had to credit my mother, the English teacher, as the one that loved computers. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so I, I should say, so Andy, you went to Old Dominion, I did. correct? Old Dominion University mm-hmm. here in Virginia. Yep. And the major that was created back then, management information systems, brand new. I think it was new either my first year there or maybe the year prior, but it was it was pretty new. And so um, there was not a lot of um, information about the the degree. And so we were kind of navigating as we were going through those, you know, that first kind of class cohort that was doing management information systems there. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think is interesting is as you're sort of figuring that out, the workplace, I would imagine, is kind of waiting for you to figure it out because what does the workplace do with a brand new degree. Mm -hmm. So was that a challenge for you when you graduated with that degree? Well, it was. I mean, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do when I got out of college. I had this degree in management information systems. It was fairly new. I knew that I didn't want to be a programmer per se, although I did take some programming classes as part of that degree. And so um, my first job uh, that I got was a job really basically doing data entry. Um, I was a system administrator for our word processing system, so I was administering the system a little bit, but I was really doing data entry, not exactly what um, I had expected to do when I got out with an MIS degree, um, but it was technology related. Mm -hmm. And I got there, and uh, I was working for a small printing company and sort of, as I said, administering their word processing system. They didn't really have a huge management information system. It was it was um, many, many years ago. Uh, but I had a mentor there who really kind of taught me. I was doing a lot of data entry and said, well, you know, you, you have a lot of skills that can do more than just that. Yeah. And so he really yeah. taught me uh, to do a little bit of programming and to do a little bit more advanced uh, administration of the system. And sort of really got my my love of, of working with technology uh, hands-on with that first that first job. And so if I want to back up just one second sure. and say the the major then, did, were there a lot of females in that program with you at ODU? There really weren't. You know, as I, as I think back, most of the uh, team projects that I had and and work that I was doing, most of the people in my uh, in my that first cohort were primarily male. Mm-hmm. They were. Mm-hmm. And so Mary Beth, you, William and Mary Grad, also here in Virginia. Yeah. And I'm, I have a bio of Mary Beth, and it amuses me because it says a double major, which for all the world looks to me like a triple major, <laughs> math, computer science, and economics. That's right. So yeah. it's, I, they all come much, very much relate to each other, but it was sort of taking all the classes that I enjoyed. Yeah. And so they were very much related. And actually, I also 
in terms of those economics and math kind of combination, I took a lot of statistics classes, which I also enjoyed. And that was my first job out of college was sort of doing data analysis and data statistics actually for the Department of Defense, um, which was a lot of fun. But that was definitely a very much of a male-dominated <laughs> uh, work environment and also clientele environment. Um, so it was a lot of information in terms of data analysis and some programming. Um, and then after that, I was really looking towards using those skills to something that I felt a little more passionate about. And that's when I, the, the American Red Cross was starting up an MIS kind of organization. And they were sort of trying to move away from typewriters and trying to move towards more of a, an automated types of applications. And so I actually went to work for the Red Cross in helping automate disaster relief organizations. And so we um, so were able to sort of start from scratch and start from the, the baseline and building applications and building sort of networks that we could take out on disaster relief sites. So um, we had to look at things like power and those kind of things, which um, you never know when you're having a disaster relief, what kind of environment you're going to be working in. So we had to bring sort of a self-contained unit of both software, hardware, communications, and solar power to bring with us on disaster release. You have a lot more capabilities today than we did back then, but that was a lot of fun. So I, I was really looking for, and I think a lot of uh, students today look for, how can I use my technical skills and my interest into something that I'm more passionate about? Mm-hmm. And that's why being able to move towards an environment that was sort of using those skills, but in an environment that was helping others. And that's how I kind of got from the college and then working for the Red Cross for 15 years doing IT work. Mm-hmm. And that the the notion of creating those what I perceive to be command centers, really, I mean, that was groundbreaking work right then. And what we think of today when we see these natural disasters happening around the world and we see the speed with which the Red Cross can set those command centers up and be in touch and, and muster the right forces... That was pretty groundbreaking back then. Exactly. We used to be very much all paper intensive. And so being able to automate a lot of those requests for service, being able to manage your volunteers because you have people coming from all over wanting to help, and being able to track those volunteers and their hours and who the, who's who, who's working on what. So it really is a whole enterprise that you have to set up from scratch every time you have a different disaster in a different location anywhere around the world. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, very much challenging. But it was really something that I think people don't realize that you can do automation things in so many different areas of of, of business, areas of nonprofits. They all rely on technology to mm-hmm. to help their automating and help and help make their their uh, business efficient, mm-hmm. and their operations mm-hmm. efficient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, Andy, I know that um, when you were starting early on in those um, the position with the print mm-hmm. shop, as for instance, one of the things that you did was train people mm-hmm. on different programs, mm-hmm. programs that I, I recall fondly, Word Perfect, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of the other systems that were being used in the in the workplace back then. When you were doing that, was it primarily men taking your instruction, or was it sort of a mix of folks in the workplace then? Well, in my first job, it was. Uh, I worked for a print company, and so that was pretty much a male-dominated organization. Uh, I actually wasn't doing training in that environment. I really was, you know, just supporting the systems themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, when I left the print company, I went to work for uh, Arlington County government, and there um, is where I really started doing training. And really, what I found was that in my first job, I was doing a lot of programming, a lot more technical things, which I enjoyed. 
but I found that I really liked interacting with people more. And so yeah. I wanted to find something where that I could sort of marry that passion of technology and passion of really working with people. And so that's what I found when I went to Arlington County Government as a microcomputer resource analyst where I was doing training. And I was really training a wide variety of folks. And so um, I wouldn't say it was primarily male-dominated at all. I, <laughs> So now let's get to the sort of meat of what the environment, the work environment was like. So clearly you both had maybe some degree of consciousness that there weren't a whole lot of women around you in those fields in that day. How did that play out in the workplace? How did you feel that? How did it impact your work? Sometimes being the only female in the room talking about this particular field. Mary Beth, can you comment on that? So I would say, yes, it was definitely a male-dominated environment in terms of the technology in the IT offices and also in our vendors. So a lot of our vendors were very much male-dominated, the ones that would support us from the hardware or the software, those kind of things. So um, quite frankly, I've never been really someone that's been intimidated by that kind of thing. So it didn't really phase me that much. And part of it, I think, was because of my mother, who was also, even though she didn't wasn't an IT person, she just was never intimidated by the technology. And it was always, for me, a lot of fun, always looking at learning new things and learning new, new um, in a new environment. So I think you have to go in with a lot of self-confidence. Um, and I think I do credit my, my parents for helping me have that self-confidence. Um, but it definitely um, evolved. It certainly was very much male-dominated initially. But as I said, working in like the Red Cross environment, my users and my customers were very much male-female. That was not just a male-dominated environment in terms of who I was supporting. Mm -hmm. So that I got energy from the leaders that I had. I worked for Elizabeth Dole, who was um, the head of the Red Cross at that time, who was definitely a female role model as a leader. And so I, I surrounded myself, and I had some very wonderful role models and mentors, including, including Elizabeth Dole, who was, showed me that leadership is not, a, is not a gender issue. It's a mindset. And so being able to have those kinds of role models around you that were male and female, but really helped me in my career. This is The Answer Key, learning and leadership in the K-12 world. And so just in my own personal background as a woman in an industry that has some element of technology to it, I have certainly experienced walking into a room, into a meeting as the person who might have been the most knowledgeable about technology in the room. But if there was a gentleman sitting next to me, there were times for me when folks in the room would automatically defer to the gentleman and presume that he must have a higher knowledge about technology than I do as a woman. And so... Andy, have you experienced those kind of scenarios? And if you have, how do you work through that? How do you overcome that? Yeah, I certainly have. I mean, on numerous occasions in different roles that I've held, I've definitely been really the only female in a room uh, in a male-dominated kind of trade type of organization where um, I think uh, my credibility was sort of um, in question, <laughs> at least by the players that were there. And I think what you have to do is, I think, as Mary Beth said, you go in with confidence um, I think you have to earn trust and respect, and you do that by um, being open and honest and transparent and listening. I asked a lot of questions <laughs> back in the day, and I still do. Um, and it really, it's about building a relationship. And uh, sometimes that's hard when, again, you might walk into a room and somebody actually turns their back to you because they feel like uh, um, 
you're not credible. Mm-hmm. And so I think you had to plow through. And uh, I, I really think it's about building trust and respect and so um, and not be intimidated. We've come to realize when it comes to professional development in the workplace that one of the things that's important is having a network of people that you can talk with and learn from. When you come into an organization and you're the only female in a leadership role, who was your peer group? Who was your network to help you sort of develop your skills in that way? Do you Were there folks, Andy, that you would say were in your circle? Or did you sort of have to step outside of your employer and find that elsewhere? I think that's a great question. I mean, I think I've tried to do both. I mean, seek out um, mentors. I've always always had a mentor. I think that's really important. I would encourage anybody to to be sure that you have somebody that you trust and that is a good advisor to you and that can help coach you. Um, so sometimes I've had that within the organization, but sometimes I ha- I've had to seek outside of the organization to have that kind of support. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always been important to me, so I've always had it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Mary Beth? Did you have to seek that out? How did that happen for you? Well, obviously, within IT, obviously, Andy is one of my, my, my wonderful partners in crime and partners in leadership. Um, but I also have to build relationships with also sometimes with my colleagues on the leadership team, for example. But we've had other females that were in different leadership roles, not necessarily in IT, but in other areas of the organization. And so being able to build those relationships and being able to rely on each other as just fellow leaders, not necessarily IT professionals. And that really does help because a lot of the, the challenges that we face female leaders is really irregardless of the industry that we're in or irregardless of the particular area that we are that we are focused on so that has really been helpful too so um, I rely on my, my my good buddies at home and, and in the neighborhood and my and my girlfriends and we also were very fortunate to have a, that kind of a mentor group within our our personal lives which are often crossing over and we have to have that support structure mm-hmm. <laughs> to mm-hmm. just to get everything done and to be able to do the kind of jobs that we do mm-hmm. so we're focusing on cultural proficiency in FCPS, and certainly we talk about um, ethnicity and different cultures, people from different areas of the world in that umbrella, but we probably should be also including gender differences in there. Are there things that you think um, sort of organizationally we might want to, based on your own experiences, we might want to have our mind on, our eye on with regard to gender differences in the workplace? I do think that it's important to look at a wide different areas of diversity mm-hmm. in our workplace and in and in our families and in our and we also have to be sure we are as an educational organization operating as a role model for students. And so I think it's also important that we are as leaders and females in technology to be able to be a role model for our girls that we want to go into technology. So I do think that we have to appreciate the differences. There's differences in age, there's differences in culture, there's differences in ethnicity, and there's differences in gender. It is a big part of who we are. Mm -hmm. People often will think that if you're, that the males will be more interested in in gadgets and technology and those kind of things when it really it isn't it's about your own personal interests and your own personal the way your brain works Mm -hmm. some people are more analytical some people are more uh, human you know have human interests and have soft skills hard skills and I think the idea of portrait of a graduate is making us look at all of those types of skills in terms of looking at our communication skills are are we global citizens are we able to communicate effectively. Mm -hmm. And those kinds of things are gender gender neutral, but we have to be careful that we are not uh, exhibiting 
gender bias in the workplace and in, in terms of how we present ourselves and how we make assumptions that certain genders have a more of a technical background perhaps males over females, when in fact that is not necessarily the case. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot in the headlines right now about discrimination and harassment in the workplace. And um, one of the things that it made me think about is that that um, pigeonholing, I think, is a form of that, but it's not an overt form. And so it has really made me start thinking back about those experiences where, you know, I wasn't treated badly, but I might have been treated differently. And so making us more aware of how we're treating girls versus boys uh, in school, I think, is is a great point, Um, which sort of brings me to, you know, what I alluded to earlier about the research that's out there talking about um, how we've done a better job over the last 10 years of encouraging girls in our school system um, to go into STEM careers. Um, And I think about, you know, what Andy referenced in the beginning about the counseling and how that it really wasn't present. And that was certainly my experience as well. It was sort of, you know, okay, which schools can you afford? It wasn't about my interest or where I uh, might have belonged, really. And so I think that seems to have come a long way. Are you guys sort of seeing that kind of a difference in schools today, different from your own experience? Well, I certainly... I certainly see the difference. I, I felt like I really didn't have any, as I said, and certainly I, even what we're doing here in IT, really uh, we're getting ready to start an intern program where we're going to be targeting students at academies to have opportunities to come work with us. I think you know having hands-on experience at a young age in high school, doing internships, joining clubs, those kinds of things, I think there's a lot of resources that are out there and available, and certainly in FCPS, uh, that I didn't have access to when I was you know growing up. Yeah, big difference in yeah. what we're seeing with girls in school. Are you seeing the same thing, Mary Beth? I do see, you know, differences in terms of where where students have opportunities, but I still do think that there are differences in terms of the number of some of our some of our classes where computer science classes, for example, even my own kids, very much more have a much higher percentage of male than female in a lot of those classes. And I know one of my one of my students, uh, one of my own children, goes to Virginia Tech, and in the engineering program, there's still a lot more male than female in his engineering program. And a lot of his female friends have chosen not to go into engineering, even though they are equally as talented in math and science and have the same, I believe, qualifications. But it just hasn't piqued their interest. Mm-hmm. So we have to continue to to find opportunities to show students. Uh, male and female, and of all different backgrounds, that there are all kinds of jobs and future jobs that are not just about sitting behind a computer screen all day, but are more humanistic and have those kind of opportunities. You need technology in medicine. You need technology in so many different careers in the nonprofit world. And being able to show, as Andy said, perhaps through internships, being able to show some of our students that they can go in a lot of different careers by going into the STEM field. It opens up a lot of opportunities that um, you would not necessarily have with just a liberal arts education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think about um, sort of what some of the other research says is that part of the reason we may not be seeing as many girls in this field is because they're having a hard time envisioning themselves in those roles because there aren't as many role models um, who are women out there in the field. And so I think it's great that you guys could join us today and talk about that. You have both uh, raised children, all boys, 
right? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And so if you had the ability today to speak to some young women who might have interests similar to your own, is, is there advice you would give? Is there something you would say to them to say, you can do this, girls can do this? Andy, is there something you would say to the young women out there today? I would say, you know, follow your passion. If you have a passion for technology, a passion for math, follow your passion. There are so many opportunities. I think, as Mary Beth was saying, in the STEM field, I mean, you, I mean, you can certainly be very, very technical and get into programming. But there's so many other, you know, I, I think a lot of people um, may have a um, stereotype about what it is, what engineering is, or what technology is, and and it's so broad. I mean, I. Certainly in my leadership role now, I mean, I'm not as technical as I was 20 years ago. And much, much of my job is really about relationships, about building relationships. And um, so there's, you know, there's so many different angles. And so I think if you have a passion for it, follow that passion. Try to get an internship if you can. Talk to your counselors. Um, you know, seek out every opportunity that you can when you're in high school, certainly, and, and as you get into college. And Mary Beth, what would your advice to a young woman be? I think it's an exciting industry. It's an exciting opportunity. There's, as Andy said, there are so many different ways you can go if you if you focus on the STEM fields. It opens up so many different worlds of opportunity. I think you can also take a look at, talk to your neighbors. I bet you there's a lot of folks in this area. This is a wonderfully rich environment with, with so many different industries and so many different people and different career paths. And find out how they got into their positions. Don't be afraid to ask other adults in your life how they got where they are. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of opportunity that the STEM field offers that you can have such a different, wide variety of options ahead of you. So, yeah. as, as Andy said, follow your passion. Go with STEM. It's great. It's a lot of fun, <laughs> and you won't regret it. That's great. One of the other uh, quotes that I read when we were talking about um, girls trying to envision themselves uh, in the career was there was one little girl who said, well, I don't think I want to go into that because I would really rather help people. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you both have alluded to the idea that although your careers are in technology, really they are about relating to and helping people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can go. You can use technology. Think about if you go to the hospital, you go to the doctor's office, how much technology is all around you in that environment. There is technology all around the areas that can be out there to help people. And so don't be limited and think that it's just about just widgets and, and, you know, and computer programming. There are so many different careers that are about helping people and are about human interests and are about human interfacing and helping folks that it's just very exciting opportunities. All right. Well, thank you both very much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Appreciate it very much. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you. This interview is produced by the Department of Information Technology, Fairfax County Public Schools.